Good morning. Yeah, all right. Just wait for that, that crew to get into their rooms. And... Turn to somebody and tell me, you look good in church. Just wanted to tell you, you look good in church. All right, all right, all right. Mm. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to have your way in this place, God. God, without you, we, we, we're just getting together. We're just a, 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 a club, God. We need you, God. We need you to move through us and in us and all around us, God. We ask you to reach us, teach us, and bleach us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Does anybody need a word from God today? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, you came with a purpose that, that God, I need to hear something from you today. Did anybody come in that way that you say, God, I need to hear from you today. I, I don't care anybody else. I, I don't want to speak to anybody. You got to speak to me today. Is anybody here that way? Because you see, there, there's a difference between a person that comes to church because it's a certain day. There's a person, there's a difference between, you know, people that come to church because it's their habit, it's what they do, right? And, and those are good habits to develop, and, and there's a difference between people that come because they know that it's good for God's people to come together, to dwell and have fellowship with one another. There's a difference between, you know, people that, that come, come with that kind of habits... Because like any other habit, sometimes things get routine... Right? Like any other thing that we do regularly, we can get familiar with things and we can get used to it. We can get accustomed to church and we can forget that the word says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We can forget that, right? We can get accustomed and we can forget that, that when we enter into worship that God says, the word says that I inhabit those praises. We, we, we can get familiar and, and, and get ca casual and comfortable with the fact that we're just singing a couple of songs, man. It's just a couple of songs. And forget and, and, and just lose sight that God says, no, man, those couple of songs, when, when two or three are gathered, I'm, I'm in the midst of them. Those songs I inhabit, that gets my attention. That aroma rises to heaven. That brings me down to, to where people are. We, we can get, we can get f familiar with that, amen? It's hard to believe that we can get casual with the Word of God, but we can. With the Word of God who in the beginning was with God and, the, and then later became flesh and then dwelt among us so that we can have and be reconnected to God. We can grow apathetic and indifferent, laid back and even irreverent with the fact that we get to hear the Word of God which is alive and active and sharper than any two-double-edged sword. Amen? See, there's a difference between a person that has come casual with his Christianity and a person that walks into church and says, listen, I need to hear a word from God today. 
I need, I need a word from him. I need to feel his presence. I need to know that he hears me. I need to know that he sees me. I need to know that I matter to him. See, when that kind of person comes to church, they don't care where they sit or if they sit. When that kind of person comes to church, when you, when you come in like that, you, you, when, when, when they step in, they don't care what anybody else is wearing. They don't care if anybody said hello to them or not. They don't care if the pastor's wife went across the room to greet them personally. They don't care if the pastor smiled at them or not. They, they say, I ain't here for the pastor. I ain't here for his wife. I ain't here for none of you knuckleheads. I need to, to meet with God. And I heard that I can meet with God here. If that's not true, I won't come back here next week. Because I don't really care about the rest of you. Some, you know, sometimes we, we, we get to the point where we just got to meet with God. I hope there's some people here like that this morning. They don't want to hear about so-and-so and this guy's issues. And, and they don't want to get pulled to the back to talk about boberia and bochinche. They just want to hear from God. Amen? See, when hungry people see food... <laughs> when hungry people smell food, they want to eat. Amen? Casual Christians, they're fine sitting around the table with, with Doritos and, and dip. Hungry people say, I oh, know, I smell food. There's food here. You can get the chips off the table. You can make room. Make room. Take the vegetable and the dip. Get that crap off the table. I smell food in this house. I want to eat. Amen? Hungry people want to eat. Listen, listen, we, if we had like 14 pages of the Bible and that's all we had, and if we, we could share the same story every week, and the casual Christian would say, I already heard that story. I know that story. I, I, heard, I, could, I could tell it to you, that story. The hungry person will say, oh God, what am I going to learn from it this week? It's the same story. God, every time I hear your word, I learn something new. I get something more. I get, I get to grow. God, what am I going to learn from that story this, this time around? Amen? See, it's all about the attitude. We, got any, we need any attitude adjustments in the house this morning? Don't worry, you're going to get one. Because <laughs> your attitude will determine your altitude. Come on, tell somebody, all right, the preaching started. Your attitude will determine your altitude, how high you go, how much you know, how much you grow. The difference is in the attitude. Some people will hear me and, and they'll accuse me of trying to generate hype. they say, oh, he likes to read poems and rap and do whatever just to generate hype. Listen, man, if you really know my heart, you know that's not me. I just... I'm excited about the Word of God, and I want you to be excited about what I'm excited about. Amen? I love God, and I want you to love God. I love the Word, and I want you to love the Word. Amen? I've seen too much, man. I've seen lives turn around. I've seen God touch people and change them and heal them. And that's why I asked this morning. I just felt I needed to explain that this morning. That's why I ask every morning, is anybody excited about this life Living, strength-giving, life-changing, priority-rearranging, sickness-revealing, inner-healing, joy-spilling, death-killing, life-filling Word of God. Amen? All right, I'll start preaching then. That was an intro. 
I want to share an old story with you. I want to step back to the Old Testament. I want to go all the way back to, to Exodus and the book of Numbers, man. I want to just share this, this great story and this theme that's all through the Word. And yes, I'm still talking to you this morning about being courageous. Sometimes we need to go back before we can go forward, amen? I love to study the scriptures that talk to us about men and women who, in the face of overwhelming odds, in the, in the presence of, of dangerous opposition, in the scariest of situations, they realize that they can be fearless, not because of who they are, but because of who God is. I wish there were some fearless people in here this morning. So let's get to the story we find in the book of Numbers. I don't have time to read it all. I want you to, I'm telling you where it is so that you can go check it and, and make sure that I'm not lying to you. Amen? I feel like sometimes I can make up a book name and make up a story and maybe half of you won't even catch it. Maybe half of you will receive it like it's good word. You, you might send me a, a Facebook message. That was a good word today, Pastor. And, and I preached from the book of Desparate, you know, 411. And you thought that was a real book. And you say, oh, that's a deep book. I never heard that one before. That's because it's not in the word. Amen. So I'll tell you what things are so you can check it and, 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 and keep me accountable. Amen. So this is a story. It's about a group of people, about God's people, right? And their, their journey of freedom and deliverance. It's, it's an old story and it's riddled with examples of people just like you and me. It's riddled with examples of people just like you and me and the choices that they're faced with every day and the consequences that come from those choices. Amen? How many of you, we, we all have choices, right? I have a friend at work, he tells me all the time, you could do whatever, I told him I could do this, right? He told me, you could do whatever you want. But with everything you do, there's a consequence. Isn't that true? So here... In this story, God has delivered his people from bondage. He's, he set his people free, you know, from, from using Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. You guys have seen the cartoon, right? You've seen the Disney movie? You, you know the story I'm talking about. God uses Moses to deliver, right, these people out of Egypt. And up until this point, it hasn't been easy for anybody, but it's truly been a supernatural experience. And that's what I want you to focus on. These people have seen and they've been a part of probably the biggest combined set of miracles and, and amazing feats and daring rescues of all time throughout the Word of God. They've literally seen God lift them up, provide for them, care for them, feed them, protect them, and deliver them from the slavery that they were in in Egypt. Egypt always represents a picture of our past, right? Whenever the word, sorry, whenever we start talking about leaving Egypt, going back to Egypt, it's, it's a picture. Egypt represents our past, our sins, the world apart from God, right? Going back to our old ways. When we say going back to Egypt, we say we're going back to the old ways that we used to do things, right? So God has delivered them at this point from a life apart from him. And the goal of this deliverance wasn't just to take them out of Egypt. It wasn't just to, to, to let them have a great journey. The, the, the goal of this was to get them to their destination. Church, it's important that we always remember, not just that we're on a journey. Tell somebody you're on a journey. But as, as Christians here on this side of earth, it's important that we never lose sight that there's a destination. It's not about the journey all the time. There's a destination 
So the God's people Israel were delivered from Egypt with the destination being the promised land. The land that God had promised to them. A land flowing with milk and honey. That meant it was a land rich in provision. A land with plenty of space to grow. That means there was a land with property and, 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 and space. Amen. God said he would take them there. That he would be with them. So that means there was protection. God had prepared this place for them. He'd chosen this place for them. We should always remember that Jesus tells us in the New Testament, He says to you and I, in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, it means that I will also return to come and take you with me. Amen? This place, we need to be mindful that this place is not our home. We can get so casual here, can't we? We can fit in and try so hard to fit in sometimes. We can get so comfortable that we forget that we're citizens of heaven. I needed to tell two people here, listen, the Benz stays here. That, that, that Lexus that's shiny, that you keep so clean, that you, you know, work so hard for, that you're so proud of, when you're gone, somebody else is going to wreck it. Right? Everything that we stored and, and that we saved and, and those are good things and that's awesome. We're not talking bad about those things. But what I'm saying is we can be so comfortable and so attached to that and forget that this is just a journey, man. That's, that's to get me from here to there. My, my Benz is in heaven. Amen? I got Benzes that ain't been made yet. <laughs> I got Benzes that don't run on tires. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's another level that God, this ain't my home. I'm just getting, amen? So you get it, right? So all throughout the story, God uses the picture of Israel, God's people, us, being delivered from Egypt, the world, our life of sin, our life away, and being led to the promised land, heaven, right? So we're leaving Egypt, leaving sin, and, 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 and heading toward the promised land, toward heaven. So by the, by the time, by this time in the book of Numbers, God was teaching them how to live he was teaching them how to worship, how to work together. They had to learn some things before they could enter the promised land. Right? If you think about it, if our promised land is a picture of heaven, then you and I are going to have to learn some things before we can step into heaven. Amen? Some churches are going to have to learn that not everybody in heaven is going to look the same way. You'll get that later on. We're going to have to learn that, that there's going to be people that we would have never thought would be with us in heaven. Right? Especially those of us that err on the self-righteous side. So God's going to have to prepare. There's some things we're going to need to learn before we even get close. And Numbers, it gives us such an awesome picture. I've never seen this book this way. It gives us such an awesome picture of how close God is. And how much God cares and how much, how much God wants to, to, to be with them. He leads them with signs. If you know the story, you know that there's a cloud by day. Check this out. If you didn't know the story, check this out. This is how God leads his people during this time. God tells them, there's going to be a cloud over you by day. And when that cloud moves, it's, it's going to lead. You know the commercial where people say, I want to buy a car, but I don't know where to start. And bing, the start thing appears. You guys know? And then the start thing starts to move, and so the people, they start to follow the start thing, and wherever the start thing goes, they, they go, and, and eventually leads them right to the car dealership where they can buy or sell the car, right? God, God says, that was my commercial. 
God says, no, I'm going to put a cloud over you. Why? They're in the desert. A cloud is going to be helpful. Amen? I mean, we think about all the practical, but anyway, God said, I'm going to put a cloud over you, and that cloud is going to move, and wherever that cloud stops, I want you to stay there. Sometimes you're going to stay there a day or two or two weeks or a month. But whenever that cloud moves, I want you to move. Don't worry about it. When I have you stay there, I'm going to be a cloud over you by day and I'm going to give you a fire by night. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God saying, you're going to see a cloud by day knowing so you know that I'm leading you. When it stays still, you stay under it. And then at night, I'm going to put a fire there to, so, so that you know that I'm with you during the day and during the night. And when, 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 when the cloud moves, I want you to move. Listen, this is awesome. God was teaching them, watch me. Watch for me. Watch what I'm doing. God, God said it before ludicrous. He said, when I move, you move. Just like that. Well, my 80s head's at. Luda got that from God. He said, when I move, you move. And so when when this thing moves, you move. When I, just like that, when I move, amen? The problem today is that we get it twisted. We tell God, no, when I move, you move. When I move, you move. I'm going to leave the city. I'm going to go over here. We said, come on, God, I move. You're supposed to move. Right? And, and so many times we, we move before God and we tell God, you move now. We tell God where we're going to stay. That's not courageous, that's careless. That's not living courageous, that's foolish. I had to make it run. So, so you know how the story works out, right? God's people, they're happy that they're no longer slaves. But every time there's a challenge, every time they face a struggle, the first thing that we read, the first thing they want to do is they want to go back to Egypt. Remember, in Egypt, they were in slavery. I'm talking slavery where they worked 10, 12 hours a day. Where I mean, there was a point in, uh, when they were under Pharaoh that, God, that they, were, they were making bricks, right? They were brick, and they, that was their job. Imagine how much fun. Let's make bricks all day long. And then at one point, they said, well, you're not making enough bricks. You need to make more bricks. And so the pressure increased. And then at one point, he, they even said, okay, uh, we need you to make more bricks, but we're not going to give you any straw. So, so now I need you to make more bricks, but I'm not even giving you the material. Can you imagine the pressure that they lived under, the slavery, the injustice that they were under? But every time that they had a hard time the, the, out there, it, all they wanted to do was say, man, at least back home we got to eat sometimes. At least back home, you know, we knew what was going to happen. Every time something bad happens, every time the struggle came, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They would rather be secure in their slavery, then trust God and be courageous. Anybody following with me? We have that issue today, don't we? We get excited that God has a plan for us, and we we love to hear about his destinations. We love to hear about the purpose in our lives, amen? But But the problem is this. Listen, to get someplace, we have to leave where we are. This is deep theological stuff I'm dropping on you right now. To get someplace, we have to lead. This ain't Star Trek. We can't just woom, woom, and appear there. To lead, to get someplace, I need to leave where we are. You remember, remember when we, we were little and we played tag and we had bass? 
So many Christians are still playing bass. We get, we get away. Remember we used to psych people out? But every time something, somebody came at us, I'm on bass. Can't touch me. I'm on bass. Right? You guys know you played when there was no games. That's why we didn't have Atari. We didn't have um, Xbox. We didn't have any, right? This is the game. This was the, this was the video, the hot video game. Tag, you're it. No, stupid, I'm on bass. Can't get me. All right, tag, no bases. Right, we, like, we change the rules, right? That's always us. We want to change the rules. Always. We want to change the rules. To get someplace, we have to leave where we are. And when we leave where we are, we don't have the security that we have, even in the bad place that we were. Even if this place was horrible, at least there was the security of knowing this is where I am. But when we leave and we have to trust God, we, we, we struggle with, amen? We start to leave many times. How many of you left many times? Right? You say, that's it. I'm, I'm changing my life. That's it. I'm going to be different. That's it. I'm not going to, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to be different. But the second something gets difficult, the second we go to hard times, you know what? Well, at least we come right back. We go back to where we used to. Too often like the Israelites, we head right back to, to Egypt. Nobody likes being a slave. Nobody likes being stuck in a dead position with no hope of advancement. But we say, listen, at least when I was high, I didn't have to think about this as much. Was at, least, at least when I was sleeping around, I was never alone. At least when I was, you know, being nasty to everybody, uh, I wasn't worried about nobody liking me or not. I'd rather be stuck in my sin at least when I was in... Oh, y'all don't even get this. Come on, man. Come on. At least when I was in Egypt, I didn't have to worry about disappointing anybody. I didn't have to worry about letting people down. See, you don't have to worry about falling when you're already on the floor. I'll let you get that picture because it's deep. That's good preaching. I need six amens for that one. You don't have to worry about falling when you're already on the floor. But God doesn't want you on the floor. You haven't been called to be on the floor. You, your calling isn't on the floor. God is calling you to higher levels. God is calling you to, 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 to go higher. Amen. We were meant to be courageous. God told Moses when he was going to take this on, he said, be strong and courageous. I love that God would tell us that. Moses told the people, be strong and courageous. God told Joshua when he was going to take over, be strong and courageous. Joshua told his people, be strong and courageous. Family, I don't know where we get this picture of this Christianity that's so weak and so boring. This sissified Christianity, as, as T.D. Jake calls it. That's all about how we look on the outside. As long as we're pretty on the outside, as long as it looks like we got it together on the outside, as long as, you know, we don't chew gum in church, or as long as, you know, we got a study Bible in the hand, as long as everything looks good on the outside, that's some weak, boring Christianity, man. And I don't find it anywhere in the scriptures. These people that watch God split the water and make a way where there was no way. Do you know that part of the story? Remember the cartoon? 
right? They were being chased. They escaped from, from Egypt and they were excited. Yo, we escaped. We out of there. Oh my God. They're walking and they're walking with a bop and everything. They're like, what? This is crazy. They have five. And, and then all of a sudden they hear the chariots chasing them. Pharaoh's chariots and, and, and soldiers chasing them. These guys got no weapons. They got nothing. These guys are coming after them. Now all of a sudden they're, they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And they chase them to a place where there was no avenue. There was no escape. They're in a place where they can't get away. And, and God tells Moses, man, just hit, your, hit that water with the rock. And boom, and the, the sea opens up and creates walls. And creates a hole. Can you imagine living through that? That's not a children's church story. That's a real story. I believe that with all of my heart. It's historical for us. <laughs> and so God made a way where there was no way. They, they also, then they got to see as the last one of them got out of the water, they got to see like, uh-oh, the enemy's doing the same thing. The enemy's in the, coming through the hallway too. They, they must have the same power. How many times sometimes we, you know, you think, man, the enemy got power on me too. The enemy has, is doing amazing things too. The enemy has the same authority. He's coming right. But what happened? As soon as they cleared the water, they got to see the enemy just get, the same flood that delivered us killed our enemies. Oh, come on, man. You got to get this. That same flood, that same storm that you're in right now, that same storm that's gonna, that God's going to use to push you through, to grow you, to mature you, that same storm will kill your enemies, man. That's exciting stuff. That's not a little church, churchianity. That's not a little Christian bumper sticker and a Christian t-shirt. That's real stuff, man. Amen. Now, now, that sounds exciting, and some of us will probably say, man, listen, and you probably say it even now, if I saw God do that, I'd never go back. Anybody? If I, man, if I was there, and I saw the water opened up, and if I walked through walls of water watching whales and fish, can you imagine what you saw? You, you think there's no fish? And he opened an ocean. So that means it was like, now you're in the aquarium. You're walking in this, whoa. You know, like, don't, don't feed the fish. Don't touch the glass. Don't bump. And, but, but you can't help it. There's a whale right here. Right here. I'm looking at it. You say, Papito, look, look. Look at the whale. Oh, man. There's a whale. Right? All right, let's start to move. Those are sharks. Come on. Let's start. No, no, no. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He, and, and we say, man, that's so exciting. If I were to see something like that, I would never doubt again. Right? Come on, that happens to us all the time. We hear somebody get healed of cancer. We hear somebody let grow out. We hear somebody, and when we say, oh God, I'll never be the same. But you know what the problem is? Excitement wears off. Excitement wears off. And, and it isn't long before even these people, they're complaining and they're grumbling because they're hungry. Can you imagine I would have been eating sushi right as I walked. Just... I mean, can you imagine? But, but now they're complaining. Do you think the God that can open an ocean and have you walk through, and do you think he can't feed you now? But, but, but they just, as soon as they got past that excitement, they were come grumbling. They were complaining. They, they were hungry. And, and they, were say, they, were, they were telling Moses, what, you brought us out from Egypt to kill us so we can die skinny? 
How many times have we seen God make a way where there was no way and then days later we're doubting that God is even real? I want to choke people sometimes. In Jesus, of course. With the love of God. But, but there's, there's people that come to me, man, and I've, I've walked with you for a couple years. I know what you've been through. I've seen God show up in your life. I've seen God provide things you've asked for. I've seen God drop things into your lap. I've seen God remove things that needed to remove from. I've seen God all over your life. And then at a certain part when the storm, when it's raining, when the cloud is overhead and you don't see no more sun, you say, I don't even know if I believe this God that we believe. I just want to slap the doubt off your face, right? I said, are you, are you serious? Are you, uh, I've watched your life. You know God. You can't walk away from God. Try. Try. Guarantee you'll be back here. Because where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Everywhere that you go, God is going to be there. Every place that you go, God's going to remind you, look, I'm still here. Every, you could go to the depths of hell, it says, so you could, you know what that means, right? That's a special kind of club that you're hanging out in. That's a special kind of, you are there with the derelicts of the derelicts and the fathers of the derelicts. You know what I'm saying? You are there with the lowest of the low, the people that are farthest and farthest and farthest away from God, and you're hanging out there with them. And then God shows up in the same room, say, I'm still here. You see something, anybody been there? Come on, can we, can we be honest today? See, look around, come on, somebody, if you've been there, just raise your hand and testify to somebody. Raise your hand. Listen, I've been at the farthest of the farthest, and God will show up in a little bumper sticker in hell like that. He'll be right there saying, I still love you. And you turn around and say, God, that can't be you. Not here. I know they wouldn't even let you into this place. This, this is so bad, you can't even get in here. And God said, yep, I'm right here. Family, I've seen too much to doubt if God is real, to doubt if he exists, to question if he hears me, to question if he sees me. The struggle is simply this. Do I want to serve him or do I want to serve me? That's really what it comes down to. Do I want to enter the promised land or do I want to die in Egypt? Because in Egypt, all my boys are here. In Egypt, I'm comfortable. Everybody I know is in Egypt. So do I want to step out and be courageous alone? Or would I rather just hang out and die here in Egypt because I know everybody here? They, people write rap songs about that, right? Like they want to go to hell because all my boys are going to be there. We're going to be sipping Hennessy, Hennessy and we're... Are you stupid? Do, do you really believe that? I, and I believe they believe that. And that, that's what baffles my mind too. I'm going to go where it's fun. There's always a party up in hell. We always get high, get lifted. Oh, bendito. You're in for such an awakening, man. So, so God's people, they complain just like we do today. And, and what happened? It's so awesome because God is right there and Moses is right there. It's awesome when God sends somebody that will stand in the gap for you. Because whenever they complain, the word says God was angry. This wasn't a time of grace that we're living in today. This, was, this wasn't God had already paid the price. This was no. They complained and God heard and God became angry. But there was, Moses was a picture of what would happen later. Moses was an intercessor there. He would be there. Whoa, whoa, God, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's not kill them all. Hold up. 
Let me, you know, and there was an intercessor in Moses. So, so they were angry. Moses would pray. And they said, you know, Moses said, they got, people are hungry, man. And so what does God do? You know the story. God rains biscuits from heaven. He rains manna over them. It's a seed that they make cakes and everything with. Can you imagine now, everywhere you go, every day, it's raining biscuits just on you. It's not raining all over the world. There's not a biscuit plague that's hitting the world. It's just raining biscuits over you. Can you imagine? God is saying, and even in that, God tries to teach him some things. <coughs> even in that, he teaches them. He tells them, listen, listen, listen. I want to teach you something. I want to teach you to trust me. There's going to be biscuits all around you today. Take only what you can eat for today. It's important. He said, I'm trying to teach you to trust me. Take, it's gonna, you're going to be tempted, but take only what you need for today. Take only, trust me, tomorrow I'll send more biscuits. The bakery of heaven is always baking, amen? He said, trust me, there's more bread. Trust me, there's more seed. There's better things than what you're having right now. Just trust me during this time. It may not seem like a lot, but take what you need for today. And, and, but of course, like, like you, we could tell there were Puerto Ricans there because... We said, listen, listen, listen. I'll take what I need for right now. But these, this bag fell off the truck. Y'all know about the truck stuff. Come on. This bag fell off the truck. I'm going to leave this with Joselito. Joselito, take that to the... Just, just, just stay back there. And so they stored. They, they, and, store, and what happened? When they went back to their secret stash, they found it was stinky and rotten. There was worms in it. See, when you try to provide for yourself what God told you he would provide for you, your stuff starts to stink. <laughs> That's good stuff. I need a drink. You know what the problem is, though? Some of us would rather hold on to our stinky stuff than trust God for fresh provision. That's a trust issue. We do it with our stuff. We do it with our finances. We do it with our relationships. Can I get a loud amen? amen? If you find yourself in a stinky relationship, it's probably because you're holding on to someone for provision and protection when God told you, trust me, I'll provide that for you. When it comes to relationships, somebody needs to hear this today. God said, when I move, you move. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> when I move, you move. But some of us don't move just like that. Amen. So just like us, they're, they're getting their daily bread from God, man, every day. And then instead of thanking God for what they had, they start complaining about what they don't have. Those guys are selfish, right? They're not like us. We'd be happy. We'd be, God, it's biscuits all day. I'm good with that. Right? None of us would complain. But they were, these guys don't know how to be Christians. They were, they were complaining. They start complaining. They said, well, what did you bring? They're eating biscuits. I can imagine the crumbs on their faces, on their beards. They're eating the biscuits. And they say, what? You brought us out here out of Egypt so we could, so we could dehydrate? What were you supposed to drink? 
Can you imagine talking to God, talking like that? To... And, so, and so they complain, and God gets angry, and Moses prays, and God, I mean, Moses prays, and God provides. God, Moses tells him, God tells Moses, take your rod, which, which symbolized the authority of God, and he says, strike the rock, and water is going to come out of the rock, and it'll give water for all of the people and for all of the cattle, and for, it'll provide water. Can, now, can you imagine living like that? There's biscuits coming from heaven. There's water coming out of rocks. Is this a boring Christianity? There is water. I mean, like, let's bring it to today. Then it's like, bing, there's water coming out of steel pipe. Just water. You guys will be here for a month trying to find the copper pipe. You're looking for another. At the home trick. So God, God provides water for, from, a, from a rock. And so I, a lot of things go down on this journey. I'm sorry, it's getting late. I don't have time to get into all of them. But the point is, and what I want you to see is that they've experienced God. These people have had a tremendous experience with God. God has showed himself to them. He showed the way. He covered them. He fed them. He saved them. He forgave them. Oh, look, this is good. At one point, they even complained. They're still complaining. Can you believe this? They got water from a rock. They got biscuits from heaven. At one point, they even complained and they said, man, at least back in Egypt, at least we get a little piece of fish or a little bit of meat once in a while. Que desgraciado, right? They're getting fed. God, God, understand, listen, our time in the desert is not forever. There's, there's going to be times where we're in a dry place and God is saying, it's all right, I'm still there with you. And this is not where you're going to stay. But you've got to go through this. So, so I'm, sometimes I only give you just what you need. Anybody been there? So anyway, they complain. They say, man, at least back in Egypt. And so they're saying, God, you're sending biscuits. I wish we could have some KFC with that. I wish there could be some meat. And what happens? Do, do you know the story? Moses prays. And God brings a, 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 a huge horde of a, a, a swarm or whatever of quail. Quail is duck. That's rich people chicken. Right? It's duck. These aren't chickens. These are, this is quail. This is expensive. God gives us the best. Listen. So, so quail flies over where they are and the quail kill themselves. God creates a quail mass suicide right over the people. Because they don't got guns, they don't got bow and arrows. The quail fly over them and said, this is it, all right. <laughs> Boom. And it says, for a mile this way and a mile this way, there's dead ducks. God says, take up what you need to take up. Have your duck. Amen? Listen, we've all had some dead duck moments. Think about it. There's a time when, when exactly what you needed, exactly what you prayed for, God dropped it on your lap. Amen? Come on. It might not happen every week. But look, if there's three or four hands out, you can be encouraged. Sometimes God gives you exactly, that's a dead duck moment. That God, exactly what you were asking for. Bang. Like, are you serious? I was just praying for a crumpled up napkin from Dunkin' Donuts. And it just... That's a dead duck moment, amen? By the way, this story is, is, is crazy. God made it so that their clothes and their sandals never wore out. 
What? That's, that's better than Dockers. That's better than, than, than whatever, right? That's some grateful apparel happening right there. Their clothes never wore out. Why? Because God said, I got you. I'm sustaining you. I'm providing for you. And there's too many of them in the desert. There's no animals. We can't kill animals and make clothes. God said, don't worry. Your clothes are going to last you until you need to, to get to the place where you can get new clothes. So, I mean, stuff like that, it's unbelievable. Sandals and stuff that were, this is cheap stuff, you know, stuff that's not made like we have today that might last a little bit. Anyway. So these people had experienced God. At this point in the story, they get right to the outskirts of the promised land. So somebody said they're almost there. Oh, is anybody excited? Is this a good story? They're almost there. They're at the outskirts of the promised land. This is the place. That means they left so far from the base that they're almost where God wants them to be. They're right at the outskirts of the promised land. And you know what happens? I'm going to continue that next week. I was hoping somebody would be upset at least. That's good. They're in the vicinity of the promised land. And I'm stopping here. I'm going to finish the story next week. But, but it, it seems to me that by, by this point, though, these, these Christians have grown casual in the presence of God. Right? They, they complain about stuff. And, and it, it, it happened more, a couple more times, and we'll, we'll get into it next week, they, where, where, again, they're thirsty. And say, oh, we're going to dehydrate. I'm choking. I'm dry here. What's up? Like, God's a bartender. Like, hello, my cup is a little empty. You know, they've become casual in the presence of God. Listen, when, when bread from heaven, water from a rock, fancy chicken laying their lives down for you doesn't faze you anymore, when we're no longer amazed that we pass through an ocean of water because God made a way from us, there's a good chance that we're probably grown very cold. Family, when the fact that God loved you and me so much that he laid down his life for us as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, when that no longer grieves us, when it no longer excites us, there's a good chance that we've grown cold. When we get to the point where the only time we pray is when we need something, and the only time you know, we seek God is, is when we're in trouble, then we're no different from these people that we're reading about and passing judgment on. If you, if you can understand today that we are amazing creations and, and you can contemplate that every creation has a creator and everything that is created is done so with a purpose, then you can get back on with the mission that God has for you. But so many right here have stories that sound a lot like this story. See, God is always leading us out of bondage. God is always leading us out of slavery. And along the journey, we've grumbled and we've complained just like them. Can anybody say amen? We say, God, why have you brought me here? Why didn't you just leave me where I was, God? I was fine where I was at. You say, God, you know, it might have been bad, but it might have been wrong, but at least I was used to it. And we cry out, we say, man, this faith walk is difficult. This trusting you thing is hard. Those, those times when you, when you only give me just enough, God, sometimes I want more than that. 
that been anybody's prayer? And the thing is, I, I stopped it right here because I wanted to show you they've gone through a lot. They've had to step out of their comfort zones. They'd have to move all the time. They didn't have everything that they wanted. They didn't have everything that other people had. Anybody sometimes struggle with that? We say, man, there's people that are not serving you, God, and they got more than me. How come, how come those people that I see, their lives look better than mine? Their, their wives look happier. They're wearing more bling. They're driving better cars, God. And, and we grumble and we complain, man, they didn't, we didn't have much extra, God, but, but, but God was leading them. And, and, and at this point, they've gotten to the vicinity where the promised land was about to start. Listen, the decisions that they were about to make would determine their destination. See, just like your attitude determines your altitude, your decisions determine your destination. I think some of you are at that point right now. You are just outside of your promise. God gave me this little piece last night. Some of you are just outside of your promise. You're in the vicinity of the next level where God is taking you. You're about to go from just enough to more than enough. Listen, listen, listen. Some of you here, you're about to go from being a borrower to a lender. You are this close. This isn't hype. I really believe God dropped this in my spirit. You're, you're, you're ready. You're about to go to the next level. And, and we can get afraid and we can go back. We can say, you know what? It's taking too long. I've been at this too long. And we can, we can grow angry, we can grow tired, we can, you know, but I feel some of you are so close to breakthrough, you can see the level of breakthrough just ahead of you. But the problem is you're not even looking forward. You're still looking down. And I believe God wants to tell some of you, listen, just look up. Stop, stop looking down. Because when you look down, all you see is the same thing you've seen back there. And it never looks like you're getting anywhere because all you see is the same dirt that's here, the same dirt that's here. And I'm going from dirt to dirt. God said, no, I want you to go from glory to glory. So God is saying, listen, lift up your eyes and look. Sometimes, sometimes it's right there and you can see it. You can see, I believe for some of you, the breakthrough is right in the vicinity. You're so close, you can smell it. And all you needed today was somebody to tell you, be encouraged, be strong and courageous. Amen? Be strong. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as the worship team comes, as Pastor Gary comes, as those that are going to serve communion come right now, I'm here to tell you this morning, be strong and be courageous. We're about to break the fast that we've been on for these past two weeks with communion. And I want you to be awed again. I, I understand, I get this question asked a lot. How come we don't do communion every month? How come we don't do it on the third Sunday of every month like I used to do in my old place? How come, listen, why are you not at your old place? Wait, bakayate. If you liked it there, bete. God bless you. We love you. You don't need to bring that here, amen? God is doing something different here. 
Some places need to do communion on the third Sunday of every month, and that's awesome, and there's nothing wrong with that. For us, God says, no. I don't want it to be familiar. I don't want it to be, I don't want you to expect it. I don't want you to see communion and say, oh, is that permanent service? This is going to be another 15 minutes. Oh, we're doing communion today. We're never going to get out of here on time. The game is going to start. The lunch is going to get cold. The panis in the oven. And now I got to hear the body, the blood, the cracker, the juice. The... We get familiar, right? We get, we get, we're not awed anymore. So I want us to be awed. I want the first thing that we break this fast with to be communion because I don't want to be familiar with it. I want us to be awed by the body and the blood. Amen? So church, be strong and courageous. Go ahead, Gary. We're going to do communion a little different today. Paul the Apostle in Corinthians, he said, When I was a child... I thought like a child, I acted like a child, but when I grew up, I put aside childish ways and I became a man. What, what does that mean? It means that we're not going to be swayed anymore by everything that happens around us. We're going to stand firm. It, it means we're not going to follow this one or that one. But Pastor George said, as they walked through the desert, there was a cloud. And God himself was in the cloud. And he began to move and they would follow. And Pastor George just heard from God, gave you a prophetic word that in your personal life, that cloud is about to move. The promise of God is about to break through, and you got a choice right now. Say, so we've been fasting for two weeks, believing God. Now it's the end of the two weeks, whether you fasted or not. And God is saying, I'm about to do something. The old desert season is about to end, and I'm about to fulfill my promise in your life. And now it's up to you. When I say you, I say each one of you individually. Sometimes I speak to everyone in unity together. I'm not doing that right now. I'm speaking to every one of you because each one's got to make your own decision right now. You got to determine in your heart, am I going to be a punk or am I going to rise up and the courage and the faith of God. You can't make it happen. You can't get in the promised land. All you've got to do is position yourself and say, God, here I am. I'm ready. I'm not going to back up. If nobody goes with me, I'm going to go. If my friends, my family don't go where I'm going, I'm still standing. How many of you are saying today, I'm taking that stand because I'm tired of the desert. I'm tired of living in lack. I'm tired of going around that same mountain. See, the Israelites, they went around and around and around the same cycle, the same mountain, defeat, failure, abuse. 
How many of you are saying no more? If that's you, just stand to your feet right now. If you're saying, I'm ready for God to break out. I'm ready for that promise to be fulfilled. I'm not going to punk out this time. I'm not going to walk out, Pastor George. You can count on me. Now, when you're ready, I'm just going to invite you to come up, take the communion. They're going to give you a cup and the bread. This represents the blood and the body of Jesus. He died on the cross. Why? So that you can have victory. So that you can break through. You don't have to live in defeat anymore. So what you're saying today by taking the communion is you're making a contract with God. The Bible calls it a a fancy word, a covenant. You're saying, God, I'm making agreement with you that I know I'm not going to be doing perfect, but I'm not running away this time. God, you can count on me. I'm taking a stand. That's what courage is. Courage means that no matter what happens around me, I'm still standing for God. And and the Bible says that he will help you in your time of need. He will cause you to stand. It's all up here. It's all in your in your head. And you gotta decide it right now. Now as you make that decision and you're saying, God. I'm making that contract with you today. I just want to invite you to come forth and just take the communion just between you and God. So right now, all around this place, as you're saying, God, I'm making the stand, I just want to invite you to come and you just take the communion between you and God today.